moving and growing in Kate into Cleveland. It's kind of like a love letter to Cleveland of, you know, communities that we could provide for people. It was a way to showcase that, hey, you know, we, this city has supported this business. Um, this is a way we can support the city. So we're really proud to be made in Cleveland. And yes, we're proud to be made, made in America, but Cleveland is in our, in our product and in our backbone and our, in our blood. And I just can't wait to see what more we can do to this city and for the city because the city has done so much for us. Let's discover the Cleveland entrepreneurial ecosystem. We are telling the stories of its entrepreneurs and those supporting them. Welcome to the Lay of the Land podcast, where we are exploring what people are building in Cleveland. I am your host, Jeffrey Stern, and today I had the pleasure of speaking with Ann Scoach. Ann is the founder of Ann Kate, a made in America accessories brand and manufacturing firm specializing in skyline silhouette purses and pillows. A proud Kent State graduate and Clevelander, she has scaled her business from a sewing machine in her dorm room to a manufacturing studio, employing a team full-time to create success with their hands. More than just made in America, Ann Kate is made in Cleveland, where the production staff sews every single product. Ann Kate sells in over 150 small and large stores across the country, works with corporate clients such as Hulu and KeyBank, and distributes thousands of products monthly through their site, AnnKate.com. Ann's favorite part of her job is bringing joy to her customers through her products. To her customers, the products are more than just a purse or just a pillow. They tell a story that is unique to each person. With that, I love learning about Anne's perspective on how to marry art and business and pursue your passion as a profession. So please enjoy my conversation with Anne Scoach. In prep for this conversation, uh, I was thinking about where the, the best place to start would be. And I, where I would like to uh, is I, I feel you've uncovered this productive overlap between art and business uh, through the the nature of the, the work that you're doing with with Ann Kate and, and what you've built there. Uh, and so I, I'd love to start just kind of exploring those two worlds mm -hmm. in where your your interest in them kind of stem from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's funny because I my hobby became my career, but I've also become passionate about business throughout all of this. So it's kind of been a, uh, a ladder of um, art being the initial passion and then becoming, you know, a businesswoman also becoming a passion. Um, but truly, uh, I love to create. And ever since I was a young girl, I was not a sports kid. I painted, I draw, drew, I just always loved to bring things to life and had a creative element to everything I did in life. So much so that I would sell little creations I made at craft shows and to family and friends at a very young age. Uh, random things like button rings and necklaces I beaded together. Um, yeah. But at a young age, I learned, oh my gosh, I can make money from the things I created. And that was all about, like, I was all about that. <laughs> and so I did that, like my whole youth, uh, just continuously creating and selling and having a vision of building something for myself. So much so that I 
pursued um, fashion and entrepreneurship when it came time to study something in college, not really knowing what entrepreneurship even was. I knew I loved to create and I made money from things I created, but running a whole business, that was like something that was just a foreign idea to me. So anyway, Ann Kate grew in college. Uh, well, Ann Kate was started and grew in college. And this whole idea of making money and making a life out of something I sewed myself was something I was uh, I be- I believed in. I guess I should say it's something that I I just I saw that I could. It was something I could accomplish. So anyway, so I spent my whole college career. I had this unique idea for Ann Kate of these purses and pillows with skylines on them that just was rooted in the, the places I loved and rooted in my passion for creating. And I saw money in that. I saw the emotional connection that could be monetized by all these places. And that's where my love for creating and my hobby truly became my full-time career. You know, I made these pillows for my dorm room. That was just something fun for myself that people encouraged me to sell. And I realized that these places that impacted me also impacted other people and people were not buying my products because they're cute or they're stylish. They're buying them because there's a major emotional connection with them. So once that clicked, I spent every other waking second of my college career working to take my art and turn it into a business. I think the ability to know, you know, that I wanted to do that led me to a lot more success um, that maybe some artists don't have. I was driven and I knew this needed to be monetized. But with that being said, I I put myself into situations that uh, ensured that I could get my product out there and then manage the the product, which led me to manage the business. You know, as an artist initially, uh, even now, six years later, it's very challenging (laughs) being a boss. Oh my gosh, the hardest thing I've ever had to do. But I had those goals right off the right off the bat when I started Ian Kate of growing this into something bigger than just a little hobby, and that is how I tied, um, you know, the creativity with the business end. Um, was those that initial initial goal up front was that I'm gonna make this my career, whether it's right away or whether it's in 20 years. And I was lucky enough to have enough momentum upon graduation to continue pursuing it. And that was four years ago, I graduated. And now I have a full-time staff and and allowing others to also be creative within the business now. You you mentioned the the moment where, you know, maybe you realized that the, the art that that resonated and was important to you perhaps resonated with, with other people. What, what did it take to understand that you, you know, building art for yourself as a as a customer almost mm-hmm. that 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 do you do you view yourself as kind of the, the consumer of 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 the product? That is such a funny question, because um, I always thought that I. I was obsessed with my product when I created it. Like it was so fun and so representative of me. But at the end of the day, um, I am not our customer. I am more of our end user. So what that means is uh, our product is a major gift product. So people are purchasing a Cleveland pillow for someone who moved away from home or a 
New York City purse for someone who's dreaming of moving to the city. They're purchasing it and giving them as gifts. We always say it's the perfect gift for the the gift for the uh, person who has everything. And so with time, I realized my generation is not my customer, but they're the ones receiving it. So there, my customer is the moms, the aunts, the grandmas, the uh, friends, the family friends that are purchasing it in an accessible, affordable gift that's unique and gifting it to someone a little uh, younger, like myself, who is having these major life moments or changes or moving to a new city or getting a new job. So I find that I, you know, people in my generation, they absolutely use the product and are humbled and tickled by the product, but they're not the ones buying it. It's an older generation. So that's been an interesting take with our marketing was how to cater to both of these, right? Like how do we get the end user to understand what Ian Kate is, to appreciate and know what we, um, what our background is and how we then market to the older generation that is buying our product. So it's been a, um, a unique experience. But at the end of the day, I, I'm really proud that both uh, many different women and many different generations can enjoy our product, both by purchasing it and by using it. As you were piecing together what the, the company itself would become, it, it sounded like it was a, a gradual process, the, this, this transition from, from hobby to, to business. Um, but was there a particular point, a revelation, some something that happened that had you thinking that you should take it seriously and and build a, a company out of it? Yes, truly. I, I totally had a moment where I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I don't care what's going to stop me. I'm going to do it. So like I had said, I have been creative and been selling product for since I was very young. I was got on Etsy when Etsy just started. So that was a unique opportunity. And I just, I love to monetize the things I created. But I also love that people like where were, they were impacted by our product. It made them feel excited. Or I love that just emotion that provoked, um, whether it was a little purse that I handmade or a product with a city skyline on it. I really, I value the connection we made with our customers. So anyway, when I had this skyline product idea, I had gotten it on my Etsy store and I was, uh, you know, I believed in it. I didn't really quite know where it was going to go. Was of course working several jobs and uh, being a college student, a 19 year old, but believed in it. So I got it online and started sharing it and running through this product. At that time, we had only three skylines that I designed in Illustrator and was still figuring out our product line. And, you know, it was a true hobby. And yeah, within a few months of putting that on Etsy, I received a message from a buyer at American Greetings and they were interested in picking up our product. And Oh my gosh. It was like, uh, this is crazy. Like what, like what is wholesale? You know, I can't sell a big order. You know, I was sewing it all in my dorm room, but we did get the order and it was wholesaled to the flagship store in Crocker park. And, uh, from that moment on, I decided I'm going to spend every minute working on Ann Kate. I'm going to use every resource I can at Kent state, I'm going to connect with individuals and I'm going to work hard to grow this business because 
other people are starting to believe in it as well. Um, so from that moment on, I did. And, you know, I, I had an amazing, amazing experiences throughout my college education. I was featured on national news segments. I won over $20,000 of pitch competitions. I immersed myself in every opportunity and it, it got us where we are today. But it all was from that little message from American Greetings and it uh, changed my life. And I'm so forever grateful uh, to have had that. That's incredible. <laughs> and from there, it's it's the crash course in business. Right. <laughs> and a crash course meaning lots of mistakes are made. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how did you go about learning how to take what was a hobby into mm -hmm. something, you know, like how, how did you actually fulfill that order, right? Like, right. you know, the manufacturing at, at scale and <laughs> all, all these other components. Oh, gosh. It they're scaling this business has been the hardest thing we've done, um, but the most rewarding too. Um, you know, we have been a business that has pretty much been bootstrapped along the way. I threw a thousand dollars into a bank account when I started Kate, and we have just kind of watched that grow. But what's most significant is I was sewing everything in my dorm room, um, just myself. You know, no, 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 a figure, no way of a growth of how I could get past this business of me in a little dorm room to a full scale manufacturing studio or outsourcing. Right. That was very hard and especially hard for someone in their, you know, in college to figure out. Um, so I definitely immersed myself in my network, experimented a lot of different avenues of how to take this business to the next level. In, in the meantime, I sewed everything. I would be up late at night. I would be up early. I would get several hours of sleep, maximum a night. And I would just be creating because that's what I had to do. And I, I wanted to, but from there upon um, growing, you know, upon graduation and figuring out how to take the business to the next level, um, I figured there were two routes to go. I open up and become my own manufacturing studio or manufacturer and I keep sewing myself and eventually hire people or I outsource. Um, but staying domestic was really important to me. And of course it's expensive. So looked into said samples made all across the states and, you know, uh, tried to replicate a product uh, with other manufacturers, but no one could make it the way we could or I could. And, and at that time, so I decided I'm going to open up our a manufacturing studio, a place of work where people can come and produce our product at a larger scale. But that leap from dorm room to manufacturing studio was very challenging. You know, it was, okay, I have to hire, I have operating expenses, I have rent now, um, I have to buy equipment, how do I do this? So, you know, it's, we spent some time, we took some of my pitch winnings and, and we slowly started building our manufacturing studio. And from there, several months later, I hired my first staff and I've had several employees since then, but we have become more than just a brand we are our true identity as a manufacturer. So it, it takes that vision of that girl in a dorm room and brings it to a major scale. So now we have a full functioning manufacturing studio, full-time staff in production that are making our products, fulfilling our products, and truly, uh, you know, bringing uh, made in America a product into Cleveland here or being in being truly made to, made in Cleveland. 
So, you know, it was a hard journey and an expensive one of how am I going to bring this business to scale, but um, something we did successfully. And there's several reasons for that. The main one being our products were not, are not a luxury item. They are a $10 bag, a $20 bag, and they are made within one minute. <laughs> so we have the ability because of how quickly they're made to sell our products at an affordable price with the mm. with the knowledge to our customers that you know it's going to be online it's going to be very simple no pockets not very technical so with that being said because we can make a product a minute our kept our costs really low and we can pay our employees at a livable wage because of that time frame so it was a unique way to build our manufacturing but the ability to be a manufacturer has kept our inventory costs very low. Most of our products are made to order and it has allowed us, allowed us a whole different avenue of revenue now. So we're manufacturing products that are not Skyline products for brands all around the country. And those are just opportunities that just come by, by networking and, and just growing Ancate as a manufacturer. So we're making bags for uh, conventions. We're making pillows for the offices of Hulu. Um, we have a whole different aspect of our business that is not just the Skyline product that we have been able to grow because I took that leap from a dorm room to uh, open up our own manufacturing studio. And how now do you think about the, the, the breakdown, I guess, between your own creative output and what you're you're putting out of the company for for Ankate and and what you're bringing in from from others. It, yeah, in terms of creativity, you know, uh, it's hard. Uh, it's something I have stepped away from more than not, and it's my was my favorite part about my running my business is the outlet of creativity. But of course, there's lack of time for that more now because I'm juggling so many other parts. But uh, um. You know, I and Kate, uh, something we did was just we were really strong with our branding and it's allowed us to it allows me to be creative on a marketing standpoint and with niche customers that come along. Um, so that's kind of where I pull or pour my energy into. Um, but I'm lucky now we have a lead designer who works for us and brings brings to the table new seasonal products, product upgrades, things that I really didn't have the bandwidth for at the point when we were really scaling the business. Um, so that's been really wonderful to, you know, have someone come on that understands the brand and can now take the, a piece of that creativity, almost it became a burden off of me and, you know, bring, bring new ideas to life that I would not have been able to to accomplish because I was burnt out or working on something else. So I definitely like to keep the creative aspects with me always. And I, I'm still a decision maker on that part, but creating and training a team that can also aid in that has been very valuable. And I'm forever grateful to have that aspect in our team. You mentioned the the strength of, of the brand, mm -hmm. I, I guess, what do you mean? Like, what is a good brand mm -hmm. and how did, how did you curate your own? Yes. So our branding is really important to Ann Kate. And that was something when I was 19, I'm like, I'm going to create the brand first before I, I had this product, but I'm like, I 
I believe in the power of a good brand and truly it's paid off. 75% of our marketing is just word of mouth and that's through branding. So, you know, on a, on a, on a physical level, our packaging, you know, we have branded boxes that say, and Kate, it's very simple and classic and black, white, touches of pink. You know, people can say, oh, you're, you know, you're very on brand with them, not even really knowing, like, what does that mean? But they can see it. But also, you know, it's not just the packaging, it's the experience our customers receive through our marketing, through our website, through the shopping experience, both from online to then receiving a package. All of that has been really important for us to curate. And and truly, I just made it really simple. I, I wanted it to be simple, but meaningful. And so that's kind of how I've, you know, created what I wanted and Kate to be. I wanted our products to be simple and meaningful and they are. So I took what the product holds, the stories and and just added a, a flair of, of classic and timelessness to our packaging and our branding that has then carried through in our marketing efforts, in our, our um, website. And even in myself, like I, you know, I my middle name's Catherine. I am Ann Cates, but uh, so many times people come up to me and they're like, "Oh my gosh, you you know you just I can tell you're Ann Kate just from the way you're dressed." Or and <laughs> you know I'm I'm so much of the brand as well that it has created this whole experience, which is really wonderful for our customers. So much so that then they go and tell other people about it, which has been very valuable. You know we have kind of branded this when you see an Ann Kate or someone asks you about your bag and they say, where did you get it? They go, Oh, it's an Ann Kate. And that alone, like it makes me so happy because it tells me that our branding has been successful and that people, you know, are proud to be carrying our product and they are proud to re- to be representing our brand. So it was something that I decided early on that was going to be uh, really valuable to our business and it's paid off. So, you know, in a retail faced business, you need to have strong branding and, and I'm grateful that we, uh, we do. You know, I think that that is the, the, the strongest representation of, of people being, supportive and advocates of, of the brand is, is that I'm recommending right, it to someone right. else. Right. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> this, this maybe then is almost like a, a meta question, but has the, the brand evolved uh, at all from when you started it in, I don't know, as, as a reflection of, yeah. of your own development? Of course, of course. Yes, absolutely. I, I, without a doubt, our brand has evolved, but at the end of the day, we are selling the same product that we were six years ago. It's just a lot better. <laughs> and our brand is a lot better. But yes, absolutely. Our, you know, our yeah, our aesthetic, the basics of our brand are carry through today. But over the last six years, not only has our, you know, our website been developed much greater, our customer experience, our, you know, our marketing has grown, uh, but our product itself has transformed. Oh my gosh, if you saw our, for the first product we ever made, it was nothing like our product now. Our product is much greater quality. It's gonna last a lot longer. It, it just is, it's a beautiful product. But back when I started, it, it was a, you know, a simple, small, thin piece of fabric sewn on, you know, into a bag. 
But what's amazing is even then, you know, six years ago, the product that we were selling that was very much less quality than what we're selling now, people still bought it. And I, I kind of love that, that our product has meant something to people when it was poor quality to what it is now. Of course, I'm, yeah, I'm sure the quality has helped our sales process, but the idea is still there, you know, and I, I love that, that it was impacting people then and it is now. So, you know, that itself in this whole last six years has been really wonderful and it warms my heart. We have the best customers in the world because they've been supporting us since day one. But, you know, I've learned a lot. <laughs> I've grown a lot. I running a business, this business has grown a lot just because I've grown a lot. And, you know, I'm excited to see where we can go in the next five years because of just the things that I, I've learned and I still have potential to learn. Um, the decision to pursue the business right out of college was really hard. I had a lot of people who encouraged me and we had funding. So there was opportunities. Um, I was living at home. I didn't have loans. Like it all was the perfect storm. But I, I really felt strongly that I didn't have work and real world experience. And so I was scared, but I decided to take the leap and and kind of learn along the way and then absolutely use my network to help me. And so, you know, seeing myself then and now have learned a lot and made so many mistakes, thousands of dollars of worth of errors, but I, I am very proud of what we have done in six years and excited to see how I will grow in the next five to six years of the business as I'm learning along the way. So it's been a whirlwind, but I'm lucky and grateful for um, understanding employees who are patient with me when I need to make decisions and I don't know how to be the best boss. I'm grateful for vendors who I make mistakes with, you know, everything and anything. But at the end of the day, it's all been worth it. I, I would love to get to some of the learnings and reflections you have in retrospect and, and what is exciting you about the future. But just in in the present state, you know, all the the brand and marketing, you know, kind of manifests in in customers and distribution. And I'd love to understand, you know, what it what it looks like today um, and how mm-hmm. how the how the distribution side of it has evolved over time. Yes. So uh, when Ian Kate started it. Again, like I said, we were in a little dorm room. I was selling on Etsy. It was a whirlwind. We are now, we sell directly on our website, ankate.com. And that's about a lot to about 50% of our business. We are only an online retailer. We do not have a retail store. And that's by, by strategy. You know, we just have grown our presence through national PR online. And it keeps our overhead low in terms of heavy retail space and inventory, et cetera. But then on top of that, the other half of our business is um, wholesale. And within that wholesale sector, it includes corporate clients um, and then retailers around the, the country. So we sell in about 200 stores around the country. And what that means is we sell a store, a product, you know, a batch of product, and then they resell it for double or more the price. So we're selling to clients like UncommonGoods.com, Wayfair, the Art Institute of Chicago, small clients, big clients, everything in between. Um, we work with corporate clients like New York Life and Hulu and KeyBank to give our products a platform and to distribute for other events, um, a whole different variety of things. So yeah, so we, you know, it's amazing to see my little Etsy store 
turn into a, a national business. This wholesale sector was not something I necessarily knew much about when I started the business, but mm-hmm. um, it's something we've capitalized on because there are many, many more opportunities to become more national quicker by allowing other retailers to sell your product. Plus, I love the, you know, we have great relationships. It's a big relationship-based industry. And it's been wonderful to meet and connect with stores that sell our product because it's, you know, it's a lot of times small businesses helping small businesses and there's both success from both ends. So that's kind of, you know, that's been a whole new aspect of our business over the last few years to grow um, is our wholesale channels. But everything, you know, everything is made to order essentially at our Ian Kate Manufacturing Studio. So once we get an order, then we process it. it. Then it goes through production. Sometimes it can take up to three weeks, but our clients are aware of that. It has allowed us to provide a lot of opportunities for individuals on a more consistent basis. Of course, there's busier times of year. The holidays, you know, 50% of our business comes from, right. from the holiday season, but we have developed a, a strong enough client base now that we can provide full-time jobs year-round that this distribution uh, more nationally has allowed us to. The the follow-up, the, the, the one that comes to mind with what you've just talked about is how do you think about competition and like differentiation? Uh, you know, and, and part of it I imagine is, is the brand, but I imagine it's a highly competitive space. <laughs> oh, the product, a product based industry is hard versus service or software, but you know, we have a few niches that we've capitalized on and I'm excited because we have, in my eyes, barely met like 1% of our customer base. So much of our growth has been organic and uh, what would I could handle, you know, as I've been sewing and as then my staff can sew and produce, you know, we can only handle so much growth at a time anyway, as we are, you know, developing and growing this brand. But yeah, we compete on many different levels, but we have our niches to make us strong. Um, on one side, you know, we can compete with other small business on a general level. On another level, we can compete with people making other city-based product, you know, cheese boards with skylines on it, city t-shirts. Those can be con- com- uh, considered competitors on a, you know, on a specific level. Yes, there are other products that have skylines on them. But at the end of the day, um, I found a really big niche within the fact that we are an accessories brand. Um, You're not really going to find a purse that has a city skyline on it. And if you do, it's nothing like ours. So that off the bat, there was really nothing in that industry or in that, I guess, that uh, retail category. On top of that, we are made in America, we are women owned, and we are very affordable. So um, those niches on top of a product that means something, you know, that's our our meta, our big competition is products that mean something. Homesick candles, that's a competitor. You know, uh, there's a million other products that try to capture that sense of home or that sense of a, um, a city. But, you know, the, the fact that our products are, are truly made here and they're affordable has been a huge asset to keeping Ian Kate relevant and keeping Ian Kate just on the map in terms of um, the gift industry. At the end of the day, our products are unique. They're eye-catching and it's not hard to sell our product once it's in front of a customer. 
you know, oftentimes that's why our word of mouth marketing is so strong is because it's so different. It captures the eye. So, you know, competition's hard at the, at the end of the day. We, of course, always try to stay on top of unique ways to to stay on top of our product. But price point and our our background of our brand has been important to that. It's, it's hard to do justice through this medium of audio to something visual. So we'll definitely link uh <laughs> you know, Absolutely. ways to see it. Yes, uh, yes. You can find us on Instagram. We are at Ann Kate's um, and it's Ann with an E and Kate with a C. So A-N-N-E-C-A-T-E. And that's our website too, AnnKate.com. <laughs> so you mentioned the, you know, the next five years and how exciting uh, it, it is for you. So, you know, I'd love for, for you to unpack that. What, what about it is exciting? Uh, where, where do you see the opportunity for, for growth and, uh, yeah, just kind of take us through what that looks like. Yes, the next five years, uh, everything is always exciting when it comes to growth, but it's daunting too. It's scary. <laughs> um, <laughs> like right is. now, we're like treading a weird, like weird place of all right, we're at like quarter of a million dollars in revenue last year. How do I take that and become a million dollar business in a year? We're having a lot of growing pains, and um, it's something I'm, you know, kind of been. Uh, having to integrate strategy more into the business before it was like, okay, your products just sell itself kind of, you know? So um, that has been, uh, you know, taking this business to the next level as a 26 year old has been hard, but long-term goals, uh, something we've just started doing over the last two years was developing other product that was not Skyline product, clear bags, belt bags, summer holidays, summer collections, seasonal collections, um, products that are affordable and still unique that are eye-capturing that still provoke emotion, whether it's, you know, it doesn't have to be a skyline, but a design that says, wow, that's so unique, or I love that. I need to, you know, have that coordinating to my outfit. So we started developing very, very minimally uh, other product lines, and it proved to be very successful. Um, our, we had a built up customer base and, and it, 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 they, they ate it up. They um, began shopping other products, but at the end of the day, our customers are still coming to our website for a Skyline product and then they're shopping our other products. So it's kind of like a secondary um, conversion, but that's our end goal is to continue to grow and Kate to be this affordable accessories brand um, within the gift industry that creates unique designs um, that mean something to our customers. Um, so on a very you know broad level, that's our goal. But in the next you know year or two, we're going to start really ramping up production. Um, we're beginning to get secure more PR nationally. I want to you know take that 200 stores and become 500 stores. I want to grow in the corporate gift industry. I really want to continuously getting our product out there on a more national level. You know, I have a staff of four right now and I'm looking to continuously double that or, you know, triple that. But it's it's been a stepping uh, stepping stone process of we have to secure more accounts and more business before we hire more manufacturing. But we have to make sure we have a strong manufacturing team before we get more orders. So um, navigating that has been really hard. But I, I believe in Ann Kate and I believe in our, our ability to create success with our hands through our manufacturing 
and, and, you know, change the world one person at a time. But, you know, at the end of the day, I just, I love that our products are more than just a purse or a pillow. They tell a story for our customers. They mean something. And that's the continuous goal of Aunt Kate. As you try to navigate the, the growth, I'm curious, you know, how much of it is you working through, you know, these challenges on your own trial by fire, where, you know, where do you see counsel and mentorship? How, how do you, how do you try and navigate those? Yes. Well, that, you know, talking back to <laughs> how much has the brand grown versus I've grown. Oh my gosh. Like six years ago, always like every stressor that come up, I felt like I could not handle it. And I've definitely toughened up and been able to become a very, a lot stronger in terms of decision-making and, and issues that arise. But in terms of uh, my network, I'm really grateful uh, because I immersed myself at when I was in college at Kent, I have a really strong network and alumni network that I still stay in touch with. So primarily, primarily, I definitely use that network to advise, to reach out when errors are, um, come up, to just have on um, to aid and to learn from. But other resources, the best other resource in that I use is the Cleveland community, especially the small business ecosystem and the entrepreneurial ecosystem. Chances are the mistake you made, someone else also made, and they figured out how to get through it 10 times better than you did. Um, so I've been really lucky I, I to connect with not only my clients, businesses selling my product, but also other colleagues and friends in just running their businesses or working hard for themselves to to throw ideas off of, to learn from, to connect with. That has been really re- rewarding and has aided in, in our growth. And it helps me when I'm in a really burnt out phase of running the business or exhausted and can't think uh, out of the box. It helps me get past that and, and spark new ideas to grow to this next level that I have reached and will reach uh, continuously. One of the things uh, that I wanted to ask you about was as as you've grown and your responsibilities have shifted, you know, a little bit away from, you know, the actual maybe creative part of the process, you know, and where we where we started talking about that intersect between art and uh, and business has like pursuing your passion as a profession, has it soured it at all? Or, you know, how do you feel about it? That's a great question. And uh, it is not the easiest thing to have your hobby and your passion become your full-time job. And not only like a full-time job that you're working 40 hours a week, right? Like you're eat, sleep, breathe uh, this business, like 80 hour weeks, you know? So it's not just like, oh, I'm doing my hobby. Like, time. It's like, I'm only doing this. Right. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's really great, but it's also really hard. And even I tell my staff this, I'm running my dream job. I love what I do. I, it's been a rewarding and fulfilling to, like I say, create success with my hands on a sewing machine. But at the end of the day, working, you know, there are days I don't want to come to work, right? Like working still is hard. So, uh, you know, I, Yes, I am very fulfilled. I love my career and my hobby that became my career. But yeah, I um, I it took me a while, the first few years of doing it full time, to find other ways to uh, other outlets because mm-hmm. yes, my my hobby was kind of stripped of me in terms of 
something I could use as an outlet, but it, it's still it's still something I love. Uh, this whole creating, this the sewing, but I've had to find other outlets to decompress and to allow myself to step away from work. So yeah, it's, you know, (laughs) it's hard. Um, I wouldn't change what I do and wouldn't change taking my hobby and turning it into a career. But yeah, it it soured my, my love for creating. I just have had to find other outlets and, um, and sometimes I'm still looking for them. Sometimes it's like, all right, you know, sometimes I just have to go home and, like do nothing like and watch Netflix. Like that's an outlet. It's not a hobby, but um, yeah, I have, it's had to be unique and it's definitely something I'm still kind of finding what else I can do besides my, you know, the hobby that I created and, and the work, but you know, I wouldn't change it for anything, but yeah, it's definitely, uh, definitely soured the, the love. (laughs) Well, in reflection, what, what have been some of the, the kind of learnings and, and takeaways you've had from from this whole process. Yes, I, um, you know, failing was something that was not easy up front, uh, especially like the first year I full time ran the business. We sold a hundred grand, and I didn't have a profit at the end of the year. Uh, and that was, you know, things I was like, wow, this really sucks. But anyway, <laughs> just so I, I've learned to. Uh, over the last few years of making a lot of mistakes and failing, learn to really take those and, and take them as good things. So there's been a lot that's been learned and I'm a lot stronger throughout, out, you know, throughout this whole process, but gosh, there's been a million things that I've learned. I, I think I struggled. I, I, well, I know I struggled a lot because I was young. Um, a lot of people did not take me seriously. My first few years of 22, 23 running a, a business. Um, they weren't really willing to take a risk on me. That was a challenge. I have learned how to definitely manage stress a lot better, how to be a boss. That is something like, oh my gosh, I never, never as a creative person, never knew how I was going to figure that out, how to hire employees older than me, how to fire employees, lots, lots of uh, learning experiences there. And then learning, you know, being a manufacturer, how do I, especially as a woman in manufacturing, you know, how do I do that? That was, that was hard, but a lot of networking and speaking to other people in the industry aided that growth. But there's been challenges, you know, COVID came along, supply chain management was a nightmare, costs now are through the roof. Uh, how do I raise my prices and tell my clients and, and do it yet again? You know, uh, six months later, the prices are still going through the roof. Um, navigating all of that was, was and is, has been challenging. But now, you know, I, I feel like it's not a how am I going to get through this? It's a, all right, let me digest this, whatever it is that comes around and let me figure out how to move past it right away and make a decision and stay true to that decision and keep pushing forward. Um, that's kind of how I've dealt with, you know, experiences that come up that, um, are not ideal, like packages worth $10,000 getting stolen and, and, and by you, you know, in, in the middle of shipments and things like that. We just roll with it. It won't be the first and it won't be the last. And definitely having outlets of family and friends to express these, the stressors, the successes and the downfalls has been an asset to me 
uh, personally and on a business level. No, knowing what you know now, right? This new wisdom. Are there things that, in retrospect, you you would have done differently? Oh yes. You know, in the grand scheme of things, I wouldn't change my path and how I got here. I. Like I said, I've learned from my mistakes and they have made me so much stronger and and Kate has grown because of those mistakes. But yeah, would I have not spent, uh, you know, five grand on this marketing effort or would I have not, you know, hired this person? There were, yes, there are things that came along that I would change or mistakes that I would love to go back and not relive. But in the grand scheme of things, I the path that got me here I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to change it. We, you know, we grew through a lot of trial and error and I'm grateful for that. Are there any important parts of, of the business of your journey here that, that we haven't touched on yet that you would like to share? I love what is so important to Ankate is that we're creating our product. Yes. Um, but we're creating a product that represents, you know, a bigger thing and that thing can be different for each person. It's a story, it's a, a memory, it's a moment, a place in time. And I really, I, I think that's the best thing about running the business is that, um, you know, there's, there's a little background and a little different story for every single person. That's been very rewarding for Ann Kate. Um, and for me, it makes it really fulfilling to hear people's stories of why they're buying our product. And as silly as it may be, you know, it, it really is heartwarming, but alternatively, you know, Cleveland is at our backbone. Gosh, we could not run this business literally without Cleveland because our Cleveland, you know, our, our product is not only represented or the city is not only represented in the product with the literal skyline on our product, but it is the reason why, you know, Ann Kate grew. Um, it started with Cleveland. It represented Cleveland and the customers, they came through to showcase their love for the city. And that has only grown and multiplied then now to other cities and to places around the country and world. So I'm really, you know, moving and growing in Kate into Cleveland. It's kind of like a love letter to Cleveland of, you know, communities that we could provide for people. It was a way to showcase that, hey, you know, we, this city has supported this business. Um, This is a way we can support the city. So we're really proud to be made in Cleveland. And yes, we're proud to be made, made in America, but Cleveland is in our, in our, product and in our backbone and our in our blood. And I just can't wait to see what more we can do to this city and for the city because the city has done so much for us. Yeah. Cleveland is the reason yeah. as Kid Cody would say. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that's a, a good place to to segue into our, our closing question for, for everyone on the show, which is, which is about Cleveland. Uh, and it is for your favorite hidden gems in the city. I love it. Well, there's so many. <laughs> My fiance and I are in Tremont right now and it, gosh, I just love everything about the city, especially the neighborhood. But um, my favorite gem in terms of food is a true hole in the wall Italian place called Bruno's Restaurant. It is on uh, West 44th near Clark Fulton neighborhood. And it is the best Italian food you will ever eat. So that's my favorite uh, place for food. But if you're looking for some good drinks, the Literary Tavern in Tremont is just to die for. 
great neighborhood spot, a true hidden gem. People, you know, people always look for a good cocktail bar and we have wonderful ones in Cleveland, but the Literary Tavern is the best. <laughs> awesome. Well, Anne, thank you so much for, for coming on and, and for sharing your story. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, it, it's so wonderful to be a part of this. Cleveland is amazing and there are so many opportunities and I'm lucky to uh, be running our business here. It's been a whirlwind and I wouldn't change any uh, any second of it and I wouldn't be anywhere else running my business. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. If folks have anything they wanted to follow up with you about, what would be the, the best way for them to do so? Absolutely. Um, anyone can email me at Anne, A-N-N-E, at AnneKate.com. So happy to connect with people and uh, and would love to love to connect on anything. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Thank you. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. So if you have any feedback, please send over an email to jeffrey at layoftheland.fm or find us on Twitter at podlayoftheland or at sternhefe, J-E-F-E. If you or someone you know would make a good guest for our show, please reach out as well and let us know. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or on your preferred podcast player. Your support goes a long way to help us spread the word and continue to bring the Cleveland founders and builders we love having on the show. We'll be back here next week at the same time to map more of the land. The Lay of the Land podcast was developed in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, unless otherwise indicated, we do not own equity or other financial interests in the company which appear on the show. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of any entity which employs us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.